Hello everyone and welcome to the Healing My Earth, Healing Me podcast, the podcast where we explore different concepts and ideas on how our actions are affecting our environment and how that goes back to our own health and well-being. Hello everyone. This week's been a big week, emotionally, socially and mentally. A lot's been going on globally on top of the pandemic and I've got to be honest, I was a bit hesitant to record and publish this episode, but then I focused on what I could control and, yeah, I chose to continue on, well, obviously, as you're hearing this. (laughs) So after last week's episode, we had Sam and she shared a bit about simple living and inspiring the next generation to be more mindful and intentional by starting with ourselves. I thought I'd start looking at the things around the house that I didn't need to purchase and oh boy how liberating that was. And actually we've got a blackboard wall downstairs um, in the living room and we've put in our household values and our chores schedule there and there's just a blank space there and usually at the start of the month I put in a monthly reflection to welcome in the new month and look back on the previous month. And after I finished writing the outline for this episode, I wrote down, I wanted to start a waste count. So literally tallying up how many times I put rubbish in the bin. Comparing to the last few years, I've been pretty good with reducing my waste. So yeah, now it's just stepping up and really wanting to make that zero. Um, So this will keep me accountable. (laughs) And I've also put in a question, so back to what I mentioned just a few moments ago, a reflection and how I want to show up for this month. And I've put in, which I'll post this on my socials as well, how are you showing up for planet and for people? And Yeah, when I started writing that down, I could just feel all these different emotions coming up. Uh, I was a bit relieved and distraught and confused and grateful and I just didn't know what to feel, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, I just thought like it was a cool thing to talk about with my housemates and also just reflect on within myself and just journal into. So I'm not sure, maybe you might find that might be a good journaling prompt for yourself um, in whatever journey that you're on. Anyway, (laughs) um, I'm known to have a few different segues. Oh, yes. So back to, um, yeah, how liberating it was to um, start looking at things around the house that I didn't need to purchase. And yeah, I started making dish soap from a solid dish soap made from natural ingredients, uh, no toxic chemicals. Uh, I got it from a friend who's got a shop called The Conscious Exchange, and I absolutely love that store. Everything for your eco life, get it there, and also secondhand clothes. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, yeah, got the soap from there. It's handmade by some lady in Newcastle, and tried to liquefy that solid dish soap. And oh my god, I'm just gonna laugh at myself with that attempt. Um, but I'll definitely give it a try another time. And if I find the perfect recipe, I'll let you know. So community refill, like I'm not, this is not sponsored. I just love them. 
uh, yeah, they started up and they opened it up in Warners Bay uh, a few weeks ago now, I think. And yeah, so you can refill your Castile soap there, which I did, and some bath and some bath salts and anything that you would generally buy in plastic packaging you can just refill it there and they make it there as well and they're offering some stuff to businesses I believe and I'm gonna get Will on the podcast in the next few weeks so tune in for that so all right back to now so when this will be published it'll be the 5th of June and tomorrow well the day after this will be published There will be protests that are happening in major cities here in Australia. So that's the 6th of June. I'll put the link in the show notes on the article that outlines where they are. Um, Hopefully I'll see some of you in the Newcastle one. And I'd love to reconnect with you. Or connect with you. Or reconnect. (laughs) Wherever we are on the journey of whatever relationship we have together. So, yeah, I guess with everything that's going on, it's just finding the fine line and... Also keeping in mind that I'm not here to educate you about these issues. I'm not the expert here. Well, this is a platform that I wanted to start to empower myself and each other to take action on issues that don't sit right with us. And yeah, I've had quite a few discussions with some friends, my housemates and a few other people in my life and not all of them that we've all agreed on. And that's okay, that's why it's important to have these discussions. So, encouraging you all to speak up and take action on issues that don't sit right with you. Which leads me to one that's really close to my heart. The ocean. So why the ocean? So on the 8th of June, it's World Oceans Day. And for 2020, World Oceans Day is growing the global movement to call on world leaders to protect 30% of our beautiful blue planet by 2030. We can help ensure a healthy home for all. So why the ocean is really close to my heart, it goes back to my childhood. So I grew up in one of the most dense cities in the world. So I grew up in Manila in the Philippines. And a few times in the year, we'd go to the mountains or somewhere closer to the water that we could swim in. And I'm not sure if you know, but the Philippines is an archipelago. You'd think being an archipelago, you're surrounded by so much water. and You'd have easy access to that, like just go to the beach every day. Well, in the city, it's not really like that. The waterways would be filled with garbage and it definitely didn't look inviting to swim in. Although the last few years that I've visited, it's been developing and it's been improving. So yeah, there's been some developments to help with that. So we'll see where it goes in the next few years. Um, Yeah, it's been a while since I've gotten there. So with this pandemic, we'll see when borders open up again and when I can go in and visit. So World Oceans Day. Let's help grow the movement to protect our blue planet by using the hashtag protect our home. You can check out their website as well to see if there are any events near you. And, well, you're probably wondering, what are actually the main pollutants in the ocean and what can we actually do? So when I asked this to myself, um, yeah, I asked myself, 
then asked some people and like found some references on Google. Thank God for that massive database. <laughs> um, yeah, and Google Scholar has been really helpful as well. So there's a wide range of pollution that affects marine ecosystems. And that goes from plastic pollution, which seems to be the most popular, or should I say infamous, to light pollution. And they've found that most ocean pollution actually starts on land. And personally, I'm not really that surprised with that. So there's still lots of pollutants that are persisting in the environment and they're pretty difficult to remove. And there are four main forms of marine pollution, or as this article that I found called them, the four different flavours of marine pollution. So I'm just going to quickly run through them and then I'll talk a bit about them based on what I've found. So one's chemical pollution, two's light pollution, three's noise pollution and plastic pollution. So chemical pollutants usually can't be broken down for long periods of time or they can increase the concentration as they move up the food web. Chemical pollution is the introduction of harmful contaminants Common man-made pollutants that reach the ocean are like pesticides, herbicides, fertilizers, detergents, oils, industrial chemicals, and sewage. So with the yeah, herbicides and fertilizers, like go back to previous episodes, I talk a little bit about it. Not specifically linked to the ocean, um, although that's giving me another idea for an episode. And... So many ocean pollutants are released into the environment far upstream from coastlines and nutrient-packed fertilizers applied to farmland, for example, usually end up in local streams and eventually goes into estuaries and bays. The excess nutrients trigger massive blooms of algae that actually take oxygen from the water, which leads to dead zones where only a few marine organisms can live. So quickly touching on dead zones. Dead zones are, well, if it's not obvious enough, deadly. So only a few or actually sometimes no organisms can survive because the oxygen has been depleted or hypoxic waters. And yes, hypoxic zones can occur naturally, although a lot of them are actually caused by agricultural practices across the world, which is a big problem for wildlife and for people as well. So because we're focusing in the ocean, I'm going to talk about how marine life is suffocated without oxygen So in these areas. So when the water approaches two parts per million or less of oxygen, that's considered low oxygen conditions. So anything mobile like crabs, snails, fish will typically try to move away, which makes it harder for large animals like marlin to find their usual prey. And at the same time, organisms that can't move as much, um, yeah, they die in these conditions because of the lack of oxygen. So animals that develop near low oxygen waters can be affected as well. So they've found studies of female Atlantic croaker fish um, develop reproductive organs more similar to testes instead of ovaries when they've been living in these conditions. 
Alright, so number two, light pollution. And it's often thought of as a terrestrial problem. Scientists are starting to understand, actually, how artificial light at night affects many marine organisms. So I don't know about you, like I've started really, really reducing my light usage at night. So once the sunset, like my lights are out, <laughs> um, apart from like my laptop and my phone. But yeah, still trying to avoid that as well. Yeah, and I realized as well, like times that I would have exposure to artificial light after the sun would set, I'd get headaches. So yeah, interesting noticing how our bodies adapt and get conditioned to all this artificial light. Anyway, <laughs> we're animals, so yeah, just remembering that as well. So light pollution penetrates underwater. We're going back into our topic, which is the ocean. And it's creating a vastly different world for the fish living in shallow reefs near urban environments. So light actually disrupts the normal cues associated with circadian rhythms. And species have evolved timing of migration, reproducing and feeding, which is linked to their circadian rhythms. So artificial light at night can make it easier for predators to find smaller fish, prey, and can affect breeding in reef fish as well. So yeah, if you think about it, the light pollution is actually changing the day and night cycle of some fish. And that's, yeah, dramatically affecting their feeding behavior. So according to a published study, which I'll link in the show notes as well, it's one of the first studies that found that increased light levels in marine habitats associated with large coastal cities have actually changed the predator-prey dynamics. I've actually got an image which kind of shows how it works. But essentially, when the lights went on, some of the predators disappeared while others feasted on the well-lit underwater buffet. And essentially, so during the day, there's less fish because they know that if it's like if there's light there um yeah they'll hide because there'll be chances of predators eating them and there's if it's at night um there's more abundant fish out and less predation but when there's artificial light at night there's fish abundance and the predation is going to be similar to the day so yes like we're using light because we've enhanced our productivity as a species as humans. And now we're starting to realize that there are side effects and ecological effects on animals that have evolved under these natural cycles throughout the day and night. And really, like, humans haven't been on this earth as long as all these other species have been. So, but we're already disrupting so many things. And one of the other effects of light pollution that really, really stuck to me is the effect on turtle hatchlings. So it's confusing baby sea turtles, not just when they hatch on the beach, but yes, as they've entered the water as well. So yeah, with the um, turtle hatchlings, they become disoriented and reduces the chances of them actually having a safe journey from the nest to the sea. Yeah, I just... <laughs> 
just have that visual of like little baby sea turtles like stuck on the beach and not knowing where to go and yeah it's making me sad (laughs) but yeah researchers in western australia have actually um found artificial lighting at sea is interfering with their ability to reach relative safety of deeper waters as quickly as possible and there's quantitative evidence that the hatchlings continue to be attracted to artificial light after entering the ocean so yeah okay you're probably listening to that thinking like oh so what if they're lingering in shallow waters that's increasing their risk of being eaten by predators like sharks and other fish and that's definitely a topic that i'd like to dive deeper on as well and yeah it's another idea topic for another episode um yeah keen to find an expert that's doing research on this field and next up the third one is noise pollution so in large bodies of water sound waves can actually carry for like kilometers miles like ages away the increased presence of loud or Persistent sounds from ships, sonar devices, and oil rigs, it actually disrupts natural noises in the marine environment. And for a lot of mammals, like marine mammals, so dolphins, whales, low visibility and large distances make non-visual underwater communication so critical. Like toothed whales use echolocation, so they emit sounds that reflect off surfaces. That helps them, quote-unquote, see in the ocean. So unnatural noises interrupt that communication, which is then disrupting the migration, communication within each other, hunting and reproduction patterns as well for a lot of marine animals. So we're kind of screwing up quite a lot of things. (laughs) So next time you're at the beach partying or next time you're in a boat partying or in a cruise partying, just have a think about that. It's not just other humans that you're disrupting. It's also uh, all the other beautiful creatures under the sea. So now onto the fourth one, which is feel, which feels like the most infamous at this point in time, plastic pollution. And yeah, I remember watching the docuseries War on Waste here in Australia and just baffling seeing how much waste we produce. Um, it just goes back to like what I mentioned first at this episode, um, yeah, tallying up how much waste I produce. And a lot of it's just from, like, Tetra Packs from coconut milk. <laughs> so if anyone out there is making their own coconut milk, hit me up. Um, yeah, I'd love to just be able to refill my glass bottle. So, yeah, plastic pollution. So because plastic is thought to take hundreds of years to break down, it really poses a threat to the marine environment for centuries and that seeps into the ocean through runoffs and even purposeful dumping as well, like, ridiculous. And it goes back to, like, me seeing that growing up in the river near where we live, like, it's a river, but it's not really a river because there's not much water flowing through it because it's just filled with garbage that's already almost at, like... But where the land is, so like, there's, why is there even a bridge there? You can probably just walk through the garbage. Anyway, probably not a nice visual. <laughs> um, yeah, so the amount of plastic in the Atlantic Ocean has tripled since the 1960s. Plastic hasn't really been around for that long. And, yeah, so bits of plastic swirl throughout the water column. 
and sinking into the deepest depths of the ocean. And there's quite a few documentaries on this, um, as I said, like really popular slash infamous topic, um, which you can see, like, I think Netflix has quite a few and there's also some on YouTube as well. And yeah, so scientists found plastic fibers in corals in the Atlantic Ocean and they're finding that corals readily ate plastic over food, which, yeah, probably not great for them. And there's dying marine mammals washing up on shore that are also containing plastic inside their stomach, which you've probably seen on, I think a few of them went viral on social media, where they cut it up and found all this plastic in their guts. And you'd think, well, yeah, like, I find it so fascinating how we've been so disconnected that we think that that wouldn't even happen to us. But there's actually been studies in Germany like a few years ago now, which is why I started on this journey, that they found plastic in um, human feces. And like, hello, what the hell is that doing to our body? So yeah, we've thought another podcast topic (laughs) or another topic for another episode. Um, So yeah, moving forward definitely encouraging to recycle, reuse, and minimise plastic. Like, recycle's probably, for me, I guess, like, the last resort. Like, if you don't have to produce that waste anyway, like, don't. (laughs) And, yeah, like, plastic has its purpose, but if we can minimise it as much as we can, then that's great. So... Yeah, that and, like, dampening unnecessary lights at night can limit light pollution. Plus, it's going to be good for your circadian rhythm as well. And also encouraging responsible chemical use through consumer and political actions, which can protect the environment for the future. And also taking note that, like, everything around us is, like, they're all, we're all chemicals. Everything is, yeah, <laughs> a chemical, so... Yeah, I guess just being wary of how that word is being used. Um, And not everything that's natural is good for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just be mindful of what's being marketed to you. And yeah, actually reading what it says and sometimes doing a bit of research as well, whether whether it actually is sustainable. Um, Yeah, gosh, like... I like finishing these podcasts with one action, but I feel like there's so many different actions that you can take. For me, it's tallying up how many times I put garbage in the waste, whether it's recycling, general waste, or whatever it would be. Like, I'm tallying that up. And yeah, our compost bin's getting full, so I've got to put that in the garden, which our garden's starting up, so I'm excited about that. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, so 8th of June, World Ocean Day, hashtag protect our home. So yeah, I'm excited because, yeah, really love this year's World Ocean Day campaign because it's all around being together. Yeah, and how being together we can protect our home. And adding to that, not just for planet, but also for people. Thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. And I'm excited to catch you at the next episode.